From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's LinkedIn.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When you want to have fun and have scratchers to scratch, there's a playful way you can do just that. Scratch with the key or acrylic nail. Scratch with the quill from a porcupine tail. Use a belt buckle from your friend Lamar. Or scratch with your pick while you play guitar. You can scratch in a bunch of different playful ways. Scratchers from the California Lottery. A little play can make your day. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player claim. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Oh, 
welcome back to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I am Mary Beth. And this week we are chatting about a sequel to one of the best remakes, Russell Crowe on a Vespa, Queers in Paris, and Valak's Triumphant Return. Bum, bum, bum. Um, but before before we talk about everything we watched this week, we're going to just make a little announcement. So we have some really cool stuff uh, planned coming up that we can't tell you yet. And we're also very tired. And with those two things in mind, um, we are going to take a couple weeks off um, and a couple weeks hiatus um, as we get prepared for some cool stuff and give ourselves a little bit of a rest. Um, it's spooky season, I just got back from making a movie, things are crazy, and we just need a little bit uh, of reset time before the rest of the year. So we are going, this is going to be our last episode for, um, September, and we're going to be back in October. Um, so enjoy that beautiful backlog, because there's a big old backlog. We just hit episode 200 on the main feed, so you have 200 episodes to re-listen to. 140 little cuts there's like 340 episodes that's disgusting when i'm now doing all of that math there's 340 (laughs) episodes of our voices that you can listen to on a backlog that you could also recommend to your friends if you so desire (laughs) you so desire and it would be really cool to come back um in october to maybe another review or two because um it's been a moment please not to sound desperate but it's been a moment (laughs) so we appreciate you all for being so supportive. It's just been a crazy couple of months as it's always crazy over here. We always are doing crazy shit and we're do we do really good job balancing it. But I think we deserve a little bit of a break. Yeah, and you know, we've we've kind of like we had a decent backlog, we've run out of it, so it's just we, we need we need some time to recoup, recoup. and just give ourselves a, give ourselves again. some grace too. We're all just Be doing our best out here in this nuts ass world that's literally on nuts fire. Ass. But so we appreciate all of you. Patreon will also be back. We'll be relaunching again in October. So um, yeah, I know you Hooray. can't sign up yet because it's paused. So if you are planning on supporting us, just wait. And in October, we'll be opening it back up and enjoying all the fun. That will come Yay. with it. On that note, let's talk about a sequel to one of the best remakes. I'm very excited to hear what this is. Because I don't actually Okay. This. Yeah. I've talked about it, I think, maybe a couple times. But I am doing another a podcast with Joe called Sexy and Surreal. It's on the Anatomy of a Screen podcast network. And we are going through the filmographies of Cronenberg and Lynch back to back going through their stuff and so we're on we're on a we're doing a season release because again joe has like a million and a half podcasts and i don't know how he does it because it's exhausting just keeping up with this one and then doing other ones like you know other episodes so but we're releasing it in seasons so we just recorded an episode on the fly and so i was like you know what i have never seen the fly too oh my god i totally forgot you were texting me about this (laughs) <laughs> you got an ambient that i don't even i don't even you just got ambient you got ambient um you got ambient oh and i meant to respond to that but i also had imbibed and i was i passed out 
I don't exactly remember what I what I wrote. I don't even know if it made any sense. Thought as I'm watching The Fly too. This is like when Musk took over Twitter and made it feel cheap and terrible. Okay. Followed by me asking you about puppy play. So you know, really awesome. We have an incredible <laughs> arc text conversations. Incredible. But anyway, Fly Two. Yes. Okay. So I watched The Fly Two, and I had heard it's not great. And <laughs> okay, I can I can confirm that it's not great. And I think the problem is necessarily that you're going from arguably one of the best remakes of all time and probably one of my favorite. Like after this watch, I do think it might be my favorite remake of all time that I've seen. And so you're going from a Cronenberg perfect movie to something that looks like it looks like a Roger Corman film. And there's nothing wrong with the Roger Corman film, but you're going from the apex of remakes to basically a special effects that look like they belonged in Humanoids from the Deep and that kind of ilk of a film. And it's directed by Chris Wallace, who did the effects on The Fly, and he also came up through oh. um, Roger Corman's school of, of, of learning to do things on the fly. <laughs> Didn't uh. Not intentional, uh, but I'll uh-huh. take it. And so the fly two picks up kind of where the f- first fly ends. We have um, a, we have Veronica giving birth to her baby and then dying in childbirth. Oh, because you know, gotta get rid of the mother. And so she births this like insect pouch, and there's a perfectly natural baby inside of the. Um, insect pouch but the baby is aging really fast and so by the time he is five years old he is in a 25 year old body of Eric Stoltz who is coming off of being fired from Back to the Future because he was too intense and he sure brings that intensity to this role and he is basically kind of um, a prisoner for the Bartok Corporation which is the corporation that um, his father worked for that is mentioned briefly in the first film and so the the guy Bartok that runs the the Bartok industry is acting as if he's like his dad sort of but he's like monitoring him and he really wants to finish what the kid uh, what's his name wants to wants to finish what Martin Brundle's father Seth Brundle started with the teleporters and because Martin is very smart and he is growing super fast. He has him continue where his father left off with his untimely death. This isn't a bad, bad movie, but it is a bad movie when you compare it to The Fly. So the effects look really bad. Um, yeah, the pictures looks... I'm seeing aren't like, they're not bad, but it's not, it's not The Fly. Let's just. It's not The Fly. It's not The Fly. No. And I think that if this was like not a Fly movie, if it was just like some you know, random 1980s B-movie creature feature. Yeah. People would be a little bit more um, forgiving to it because it's not a terrible film. It's just... It doesn't hold up. You can't hold up to... Yeah, exactly. And when he transforms into a fly, he looks like... I don't know. He looks like some kind of creature that has come out of... Do you see it? Yeah, like with all the teeth. Yeah. That's Yeah, it's just like not fly-y. No, it kind of reminds me of the the gargoyles in the Tales from the Dark Side. Oh movie. yeah. So like it, it's not bad. Okay. It just It's not. It's not the fly, and so like I enjoyed it for what it was. Eric Stoltz is actually really decent in it. Um, it has Princess Vespa, the actress that played Princess Vespa in Spaceballs, is in it. 
Oh, great. Did you hear that? I did. I did, in fact. So, yeah, as long as you're going in with the expectation that this is not a David Cronenberg movie and is just a cheesy B-movie horror film from the 80s with, like, okay special effects, you might enjoy it. I had fun. It just wasn't great. Good to know. Yeah. I forgot that there was a second Fly movie, so. There is, and it's somehow, it's longer than the first one. Okay, sure. And, like, the first one is perfectly paced, and this one is an hour and 44 minutes, and you can definitely feel some of those 44 minutes. But, yeah. So that's The Fly 2. Not the greatest, but here we are. Let's talk about Valak's Return. So, Valak's Return. Uh, The Nun 2 is, as of the episode, dropping is out in theaters. The The embargo is up. And I wanted to just share a little bit about it because I saw it at a press screening. And while I didn't totally love it, I do appreciate what it's doing. So um, I liked the first, like, liked the first nun. I know what it is. It, it's, it can be weird conjuring money grab, but Bonnie Aarons gets to be scary. And so, like, mm-hmm. you know, also pay her her fucking check for using her likeness yeah, and everything. Seriously. You fucking corporate greedy monsters anyway just had to slide that one in there so and so kayla cooper wrote the nun too and michael Mm -hmm. chavs who directed the curse of la llorona and the third conjuring movie directed this one so do with that information what you will and basically we're picking up where it's a couple years after the events of the first one and um sister irene Tasa Farmiga, the Farmiga family universe. Her sister Vera <laughs> Farmiga plays Lorian Warren, for those of you who don't know. She basically is trying to live her quiet, peaceful nun life and then is summoned to find fight Valak again and has to find ancient relics and fight evil again. You know, like basic setup, basic religious horror setup. And so what I did really like about this movie is one, Akela Cooper knows how to write like a scare set a scare slash a set piece like really there's some incredible set pieces in this movie some incredible moments that are really cool really nuts the problem is is that like it feel i've been saying this a lot recently and i feel like i'm sounding like a broken record but i honestly feel like it's kind of appropriate for a lot of movies is that they just feel like a bunch of set pieces that are barely strung together it just feels so much like these movies just want to have these cool moments without trying to have a better connective tissue and like i'll give akayla cooper some credit she tried to do some really she tried to do some stuff here like it's just sister irene and storm reed's character who's another nun that are fighting the demon so it's all there's no priests which is great you know what i mean like it's pretty cool cool. because Mm -hmm. it's women and nuns just nuns fighting the nun great like, that's cool. It kind of subverts these ideas of power dynamics in the church in a really interesting way. It tries to do some stuff with race, um, but it really fumbles that a little bit. So I'm a little bit bummed about that. But, like, I appreciate them trying to kind of, like, have a conversation about race in this movie. I think, but the here's the problem. It's such fucking Catholic propaganda. It's just, like, and it's getting worse with each movie, it feels like. And this one just very much felt like Jesus will set you free. And like, (laughs) look, it just fucking annoys the shit out of me. You like, I don't know. It's just, I'm so bored of that. Yeah. It's, it's, look, I knew that, but like, I knew that I was going into this movie, you know, like it's called The Nun 2. 
Conjuring universe. Like I knew what to expect, and it, I still I'm still annoyed by it. Um, so if you were annoyed by that, it's not going to get any better. It's actually much worse in this one. So like, if you don't want to deal with that, then just skip it. But it's got some fun moments. I think it's too long. I think it drags, but I think there are some really interesting set pieces. I think I've seen a lot of people really enjoy it. So like, maybe I'm a maybe I'm just a hater at this point. Like, but you know. I I was expecting a little bit more to be honest with you. Yeah, but I get that. like they expanded the scope a lot more, which I appreciate, and like I saw what they were trying to do. I just I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to really like the first film. Um, I liked the atmosphere. I liked the location. I loved the kind of hammer horror throws that it does. I just I found it kind of boring. Then you'll find this one boring too. I think. Yeah. I, I just like with the first one, it just surprises me how a movie in which Taisa spits the blood of Christ into a demon's face is boring. But I mean, that's that's where this we is. At this is, me. I think, what happens when you try to take a character that was kind of like thrown in for some like spice into a Conjuring movie, and then you're like, oh shit, we need to make a whole mythos for it. But do you? Like, we don't have to do that. <laughs> like, we just don't. And like, look again, I'm all about Bonnie Aaron's getting that work, but. Mm-hmm. I also don't think it's necessary, but like, whatever. I mean, they're fun. Like I thought the nun was fun, but it was because I was in grad school and I just was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I appreciate how stupid this is. Like, this is ridiculous. And I think the nun too could have been even more ridiculous. I think I was actually expecting it to be a little bit more ridiculous because a Kayla Cooper was involved in it. But, and again, I'm, I'm talking about it. I know I don't, we tend not to try to talk badly about movies, but like, this is a huge movie with a massive budget. That's probably going to make a lot of money at the box office. So I don't feel as bad talking, like giving a poor review of this one. And like, again, this is just my opinion. Use it how you will. And yeah, so that's the nun too. I'm I, I I am not concerned about its performance at the box office. I am sure it is probably going to do very well. It's one of like the highest grossing horror movies of all time, which is fucking hysterical. Like, goddamn, all the, these Catholic. I mean, this is why we keep getting. I've been thinking about this a lot recently because of another movie I watched this week, which we'll get to. Religious horror. These fucking Catholics be ruling the world and watching these horror movies, and that's why they keep doing so well. I'm like, I'm so sick of this shit. But the Catholics aren't. So you know what? Praise be, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Well, and I I do think that now is like the time for religious horror because I feel as I feel as if our country is going back to like the eighties in which satanic panic was like a thing, and so it makes sense to me that all of a sudden there's religious horror everywhere and it's doing well because again, we are having people basically calling queer people in line in league with satan which hail satan but like i just i I feel as if like we are going to be seeing a lot of religious horror because of the way things are right now what fart i would not be surprised yeah what same fart but yeah so that's the nun do with it what you will (laughs) queers in paris though that sounds like more fun it is a lot of fun uh okay so i talked about the first season of heartstopper way back when heartstopper first premiered last year um on netflix yes Yes. the second season is out now i had requested screeners i got them and then i could not watch them because life was in the fast lane and i did not have time to watch it so i finally now that it's out and everyone is able to watch it i finally this last weekend sat down and binged the entire second season which 
The Where third is it episodes, again? there's eight of them. Netflix. Netflix. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So the first season is about Charlie, um, an out gay kid that spent the last year um, being publicly bullied while also having a down low boyfriend that was macking on him in private and then distancing himself from him in public. And so it created like this really bad self-esteem issue for Charlie. And then Charlie discovers um, he gets set next to Nick, who is a rugby player, exact opposite of him, it seems. And they sort of start a furtive friendship that blossoms into something more. And the first season is sort of about the them kind of Charlie navigating the fact that he just left one guy that was kind of actually kind of sexually assaults him in in a very TV 14 way kisses him like when he's not asking for it so it's it's not like we're not talking about like rape or anything but we are talking about still, he is putting himself yeah. on him and he is like I no I don't want this and he is so we have that as well as the kid is on the down low and is rude to Charlie in public and now he has this other new kind of secret boyfriend who is not out who's trying to figure out his own sexuality as well. And so that's the first season. And then the second season, I'm not going to really dig into too much spoilers, but the second season is really about um, Nick, the rugby players, coming out as bi and trying to navigate the uncomfortable feelings of having to come out to everyone constantly while also like fearful that that things are going to change when you do. And so the second season is sort of about their relationship going to the next step as well as Nick trying to come out and they go to Paris, which is why I said careers in Paris. And what I love about the second season is that it's so gay. It's so queer. I should say not necessarily just gay. It's so queer. It widens the band of what the kind of characters were talking about. In the first season we have, um, there's a trans woman that had previously gone to the male school because they're in, it's England. They're in gendered schools. And so in the second, in her next year, when she, transitioned she's now in a female school so we're following her relationship we're following there's a kid that in the very first season doesn't seem very interested in anyone and in this season he is sort of discovering that maybe he's ace and what that means for him so we're seeing like a wide spectrum of queerness in teens and trying to come to terms with their own sexuality and it's a delightful second season it's very easy to binge it's eight episodes 30 minutes each and it is just like a warm hug and I love it so much. So that's Heartstopper season two. I love that it's like so queer. I love that. It's so queer. It's almost like everyone is like, is there anyone that's not queer? Because like by the second season, there's a lot more queerness. And I just, I think it's a fantastic, I think it's fantastic. I want to see more of it, more of that kind of thing. And it's already been renewed for a third season. And I love that's it. That's so good. So, go that it. makes me happy. Heart like, look, fuck Netflix for a lot of reasons, especially in regards to these strikes and how little they care yep. about people and the necessity of these people to make the successful shows that and films that are on their platform. Uh, fuck you for thinking AI could create something like heart, like Heartbreaker. Yeah. Heartbreaker? Heartstopper? I'm such heart a dick. Stopper. I literally just forgot what is fucking wrong with me. Sorry. Heartstopper. Like, so I'm just saying that now. Fuck Netflix. But also, like... Netflix has things like it's like it's so hard because it's like Netflix is inherently gross and it's like in the way it's operating and and the ways that these streaming services have treated a lot of this IP but then also Netflix is putting out stuff like this so it's like such a it is such a strange time to be a person who really enjoys media 
and like the intricacies of media like goddamn it it's so complicated but like i'm glad that this this show has a platform and like people can see it because netflix is a massive platform like and it it's so it's based on it's based on a graphic novel written by alice osman osman i'm not sure how to pronounce her last name and she is the creator of this show she's she writes every episode so it is it's someone that got her start writing graphic novels i think the fifth volume is coming out in october and also writing the series and so i think that's pretty that's pretty fucking cool cool awesome so heartstopper highly recommended but let's (laughs) let's swing back into the the realm of alex and talk about russell corona vespa which funnily enough I also watched this weekend, unknowing that you had also watched it. What are we talking about? The Pope's Exorcist. It is on Netflix, and I have been dying to watch this fucking movie. I did not see it in theaters. I did not care enough to see it in theaters, but it's on Netflix. Steve pulled up Netflix, and I said, we have to watch this soon, because I heard it's kind of fun. Russell Crowe's on a Vespa. Like, I have to know what it's all about. So, um, on... Yeah, Saturday night, we got home from a barbecue at my parents' house, got pretty high, and put on The Pope's Exorcist. And let me tell you, this movie is way more fun than people give a credit for. It is, it is. so fun. I mean, look, le- less Catholic church propaganda, but still Catholic church propaganda. Like, it's not... Oh. It, just so everyone knows, just so like we just establish that baseline here, based on an actual an actual exorcist, the actual chief exorcist from the Vatican, Gabriel Amorth, who died not that long ago. I was like, Jesus, he was like ninety five. He was old as fuck. Good for he him. He was old as fuck. They, there was a twenty seventeen documentary film by William Friedkin um, about him. Oh, as well. that's right. I fucking forgot about that. The Devil I and totally... Father Amorth. So he has some weird view. He had some weird views. Um, like yeah, he's a weird yoga, old. He's a weird yoga old satanic. Like weird old exorcist from Italy. Like of course he's fucking weird. Duh. Yeah. And this movie, this movie takes like this, the Conjuring approach, which is both good and probably not great in terms of like taking real people and making them out to seem like superheroes when like they are just flawed people, but. They basically take the real life of this exorcist and then like put it into a f- essentially fictionalized exorcism. And Russell Crowe is fucking killing it in this role. He is just like is... having the best time hamming it yes. up as this Italian exorcist who's just like mm-hmm. kind of weird. <laughs> and like rides on a Vespa with red socks and is like always he's like drunk half the time and he's just like super eccentric and weird and russell crowe is just accent like, veers into romanian at a couple times oh like accent's insane english and italian who knows what accent we're doing but like he is just like living his best life in this movie mm-hmm. and i love that for him alex esso who is in starry eyes is the mom in this movie love that she's getting big roles in movies like this and it's like he's yeah. She was also in well, Midnight. It's funny. You say Starry Eyes. I've never seen Starry Eyes, but she was in Midnight Mass, like Flanagan's work as well. Oh, she is. That's right. I always forget. She was Wendy Torrance in Doctor Sleep. That's um, right. I forgot that she was. So she's been on a lot of stuff and I'm just a liar. I just am not used to seeing season. her in a lot of stuff. Oh, she's so good in Trim Season. Everyone's seen Trim Season when that comes out. 
But basically, he goes to Spain, where this family has moved into an old abbey that their father inherited. <laughs> Incre- and again, this movie is, like, camp. Like, it's so ridiculous. Like, everything about this movie is, like, makes no sense. So, like, don't ask questions. But Directed goes- by the guy that did Overlord. So, if you want to, like, understand, like, the campy kind of feeling of the movie. And he goes to, like, the kid, she's this mom... And her two kids moved to Spain. They're American. They moved to Spain. The dad has died. They move into this abbey that they're going to replace. But the little kid gets possessed by a terrifying demon voiced by Ralph Innocen, which is incredible. And he must come to Spain to rid the home of this evil and then also discover how just how ancient, scary, evil this thing is. You know, like, again, it's it's very much follows the usual like religious horror exorcism movie tropes but the thing that's so fun is one it can't be a shit and two russell crowe is just chewing up the scenery like nobody's business so like it's fun it's a little it feels a little bit different because it's he's having so much fun and it's not taking itself super seriously religious horror takes itself so seriously and this movie is not for the most part and i respect the hell out of that he even gets like an indiana jones moment Oh my god, yes, he does! I was like, like if I was thinking in my head before you wrote down um, him on a Vespa, I was thinking like The Conjuring meets Indiana Jones, because that is what some of this movie feels like in terms of the character and digging into the old abbey and like discovering ancient secrets. Like it reminded me of Indiana Jones, and I really adored that. I I will say. I will say that I was in for quite a surprise when I watched this movie because I I literally knew nothing about it except that people said it's a lot of fun and campy and that it's called The Pope's Exorcist. I literally thought the Pope was going to be doing an exorcism of the – or the, someone was going to be doing an exorcism of the Pope is what I thought this movie was about. And so when it has nothing to do with that, I was like, what what is this movie? Because I really thought Russell Crowe was going to be performing an exorcism on the Pope based on the name. No. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, no. Maybe that'll be in the sequel. Maybe, maybe. But yeah, I I had a lot of fun with this movie. It's it's definitely silly, but like, it knows it's silly, which I appreciate. It yeah. doesn't. It's not trying to be like. It's still that Catholic Church propaganda, but it's not the super self serious, uh, Catholic Church propaganda. It's still propaganda, but that'll give you mm-hmm. a, an idea of what to expect. <laughs> God still prevails, but you know, that's fine. Of course he does. I guess. But yeah, so it's if you have Netflix and you've been wondering if it's worth watching, it definitely is. It's fun. It's a good time. It's worth it's worth a night of entertainment. It sure. is worth yeah. Oh yeah. Why am I watching so much religious? There's just too much fucking religious horror. Ugh. On that note, like we said at the beginning, uh, this is our last episode for a couple weeks. Um, both little cuts and main feed. We'll still be on Twitter. We'll still be everywhere you can find us. We're just going to be putting together that backlog and giving ourselves a little bit of a break while also just trying to get everything prepped for some really cool stuff coming up in October. So get fucking pumped, everybody. Oh, and maybe go pre-order the Ginger Snaps um, trilogy of films from Second Sight. Yeah, do it. Because we have an audio commentary on the first ginger snaps in there so uh maybe go go check that out audio commentary goddesses the third one right our third one paranormal activity attack of the demons and now ginger snaps it's neat Mm -hmm. it's It's, fun i don't know if anyone actually ever listens to them but i like to i don't either i don't it's here's the thing 
Part of me doesn't want them to, because I just like am inherently embarrassed by the sound of uh-huh. my own voice. And but I just like the idea that's there, you know, just like the comfort. Yeah, it's, it feels pretty cool. Even it does though, feel cool. Yeah, I don't know if people are actually listening to it, and I, I get like you said, I don't know if I necessarily want people to listen to like, it. I don't really <laughs> want to know, honestly. Like I don't need to know if you, but I'm glad it's there. Me too. But y'all, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. Did you watch anything that we watched this week and have some thoughts? Is there? Do you, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any suggestions for guests you want to see on the show in the future? Of movies mm. you want us to see as cover? You can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail dot com, or you can reach out. You can reach out directly to us on Twitter. I am at mb mcandrews, and I'm a gaily dreadful. Although I've been spending more time on Blue Sky than I am on Twitter. So you can follow me there as well. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at, at Scarred Podcast. We are also on Blue Sky at Scarred for Life Podcast and also at Scarred for Life Podcast on Instagram if you want to follow us on those platforms as well. And don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. If you're listening to this on release, you really can't help support us through Patreon because it's paused for right now. But when we're back in October, please do help support us. That means a ton. Thank it you. Does. Thank you. And thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. And thank you to each and every one of you for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. Cause you want a fun break The playful way you scratch is the next choice you should make You can make your dog's leg kick and scratch with that You could even grab a laser pointer And use your cap You can build yourself a homemade scratching machine Or use a piece from your chest set Go ahead, grab the queen Scratch like a DJ with your record player A cactus could scratch off that scratchable layer Cause when it comes to scratching There's a million playful ways Thanks to scratchers from the California lottery A little play can make your day Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase, play, or claim. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also, small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to LinkedIn.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well... 
These are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>